I've lived a thousand lives. I've piloted a thousand souls. I've killed and fought and died just for another goal. This is the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. And welcome to Season 31, Episode 22 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Nick. And in today's episode, Jorn in Sweden hates cinematic descriptions in games. Charger347 wants to rename styles of playing TTRPGs. And Eric from New Jersey shares a horror story. If you'd like to contribute a question or a story to the show, please email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. And we need those stories and emails. Don't make me come to your house and find you. (laughs) Yeah, we do need some. We have a very verbose group of you who keep sending in emails, which is amazing. And I appreciate it. Love you. We'd love to have a little bit more variety. So if you've never sent an email, if you've always wondered, if you just have something that you think is going to stump us, like send it in. Happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Or a friend. Maybe you have a friend who doesn't listen to the podcast, but they have a question that you have had as a topic. Give it to us. We'll give you the right opinions. And then you can come back and wow all your friends about yeah. how much, about how clever you are. Or they'll just make fun of you. I don't know. Or, or that too. But. Yes. <laughs> all right. Announcements. The Happy Jacks Discord will be hosting a Game Days on April 8th. It's a fun, casual day for members of the Happy Jacks community to run and play games together. I think there are currently five games posted, and there's a few spots for players still. Um, There's still time if you wanted to run something, to throw something in there. But So there might be more coming up soon. Come check it out if you're a fan of safe gameplay and trying new systems. And happyjacks.org slash discord is how you reach the Happy Jacks Discord. And it's a fantastic, it's really like a wholesome, wonderful community if such a thing can exist on the internet. <laughs> it's, it's a good chill place. I don't spend as much time on it as I wish that I could, but every time I'm there, people are happy and having good discourse. And generally, it's one of the little oasis in the internet. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, just super chill and relaxing. And yeah, it's just how ha- it, as one of the mods, like I, it's very nice to not have to work super hard to just have fun, just get to talk and chat with people. And like once in a while, something will come up, but very rarely. And usually it's just like, a little like miscommunication or something. All right. So yeah, go sign up game days, April 8th. And yeah, on the discord, super fun. Our indie designer of the month, Mo Poplar from Ashy Feet Games. That's ashyfeet.com. It is still March 31st. It is the very last day of March. (laughs) So technically he's still our indie designer of this month. He snuck in with a fifth. He's lit in there. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) He's a friend. It it works out. Yeah. So the game we're going to talk about this week is called Dragon Battle. We found a dragon and he's not happy. So you team up to defeat a dragon before he and his minions eat your party. It's a card game for one to four players, or you can play in solo player mode. And you can find more about that at ashyfeet.com. Oh, I'll check that out. I didn't see that it was a card game. Yeah. So I'm not 100% sure how the mechanics work, but it's information there. For whatever reason, I, I get like a... Dragon Ball Z vibe from it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, why. probably because Shibuya Knights yeah, and you know, like, some of the other things from him. Just it's like, not... yeah, my uh, my preconceived notions of of what he likes to do is are very strong. So, and then yeah, next month, very excited about 
our new designer, which you have to tune in next week to find out who that is. And if you Oh, I see it right here. It's very exciting. <laughs> and just a reminder, our Patreons get a free copy of a game or a chance at a copy of a game for like some of the more expensive games that we pay the indie designers for. So like, thank you for supporting the show. And that's like a little perk for being so awesome. So thank you so much. If you want to join our Patreon, you can go to happyjacks.org slash Patreon. And it's just $1 a week. So pretty low cost to get, you know, to support the show, to get, you also get interviews with the designers. So it's like more, it's like extended interviews with them and a bunch of questions that I try and stump them with. And they always come up with good answers anyway. Yeah. Lots of fun. All right. Mailbag number one. I've done a lot of talking. It's your turn. Okay. (laughs) I was just thinking that second email is really long, but if you want me to take this short one up front, I'll I'll do it. This will be like the discussion. (laughs) I think this will be the one we talk a lot. Dear Priesthood of RPG Wisdom, I have a confession to make. I cannot stand it when the GM describes a scene in cinematic terms. What? Example. GM says, We see a wide shot of the bay, panning over a small fishing village and zooming in on a small house. This makes me want to stand up and leave. I mean, it would be fine if the setting were a film or a TV series like you mentioned in episode 17 of the latest session, Please go back and watch episode 17 and remind us of what that was, because we have no idea. (laughs) However, if it isn't film-related, it immediately destroys my immersion. While I'm sitting here trying to put my mind into the fiction, when the GM implies that cameras exist in a fictitious layer outside the fictitious world, and this ruins the experience for me completely. I've even stopped following actual plays over it. Does this make sense to you, or am I just overly sensitive? I stand humbly before you, my head bowed, awaiting my verdict. Tell me what my penance will be. Best regards, Yarn in Sweden. P.S. I'm a longtime listener since seasons were in single digits. What? And y'all are still my favorite RPG pod. Oh. You guys rock. Boop, 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 boop. We love you too. P.S. 2, Malort for life. False. <laughs> love you one, anyway, but no. <laughs> one day I'm going to try the Malort. I have not tried the Malort. I've said this several times at cons, hoping it'll show back up, but nope. Nope. That's because uh, Tyler moved to Northern California and doesn't Uh, come to the cons anymore. Gotcha. It used to be like his mission every con to bring like the worst alcohol he could find. Right. I remember hearing some of those about like the glitter one. Didn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was one that like, oh, man, I don't know. But it looked like it was like craft supplies and you shook the (laughs) bottle and it like was full of glitter. And I just it was. Wild. I mean, it tasted okay, but I was very concerned. And did Bill have like chocolate wine one year or something? Yeah, that one wasn't, I mean, it was not good, but it wasn't terrible. But I don't know. Uh, Just one second. There's been a request. So in three, two, one. I can't Eli's in chat. And that's like Eli's like signature move on his, if you ever watch him on an actual play, he does the air horn sound the best. And he, Always delights in like how badly I do. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I thought maybe it was someone who wanted to record it for their yeah, text message or something. Yeah, I'm sure Eli. <laughs> That's why I gave the countdown on it. It's like, no, I can't. Stop, stop. I do a lot of things well. That is not one of them. Then episode 17, it was when we were talking about, there was a email about a Monster of the Week game that was a cast of a TV show. And they were going to play their, like they were going to switch between realities where they were their characters in this Buffy the Vampire Slice, like kind of like horror like show and then switch back and forth between the actors 
and then them actually being their characters. Gotcha. Okay. So that's why like the cinematic description would work well for that one. Gotcha. Okay. Because so, in the fiction, there were in fact cameras and all that. Sort yeah, of stuff. exactly. I yeah. I so I think that, okay, to the, ex- like I do this, I do this a lot and I don't, I have the excuse that I actually went to film school a little bit. <laughs> So it, it, uh, hold on, hold on. Yes, bring the cashmere scarves in here. We're about to talk about yeah. our film school. No, I mean, like, no, it was like, no, it was a little, little <laughs> bit. I did not dedicate very much of my life to it, but I really loved it. And in high school, I did it like I was part of the AV club. And so I was like president of the, I was very nerdy. So I think of things in cinematic terms often because that's kind of how I was trained. Honestly, the, it was like when Blair Witch Project came out, like a lot of people were like, oh, that's so bad. It was so, like, to me, that was like a terrifying movie because all I could think about was all the things that weren't on the camera. Like, like we could only see what was through the camera and my brain kept trying to fill in like what was around you that wasn't in the camera. So I was just like, oh, they're gonna, they're about to get, they're, no, they're, stop filming, look around you. Like it was like, I also <laughs> am just terrible with horror movies in general. I'm the one who starts screaming at the screen and like, no, get out, you're so, you deserve to die, I hate you. My husband like will not watch these movies with me. Like, I feel like I almost got a divorce when he finally showed me his, like, favorite movie, The Shining. That didn't go well. (laughs) But I I digress. So I do this in, I try and limit it because I agree. It does take you out of it, especially if you're running something like I'm wondering right now. I try and describe things like I'm seeing them in my head cinematically. But I try to leave out the, we have the shot of, like, a wide, so... I think it's fair to be annoyed by that. Sure. Because if I'm in a high fantasy game, I don't want to be like, okay, we have the wide angle shot of the little village and you hear the Foley sound of the clip clop on the cobblestones. And like, like that's really annoying. I get it. I'll be honest. When I first read this email half an hour ago and I saw the synopsis, I was about ready to tell Jorn that they were wrong <laughs> and, and that they should feel bad. But then I read the example and I realized that I don't really disagree with that. Yeah, that's a really annoying example. I would be really annoyed. I think that it, partly I think it kind of depends on who you play with and how common that sort of thing is. Like, I have some friends that that we play a game and we will say that sort of jokingly and that really, and we'll only do it sort of like this to just sort of like set a scene. We don't really continue to use that throughout the rest of the Mm -hmm. game and i don't mind it that much because i also went to film school (laughs) and so we're in la everybody went yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a required course for passing six yeah yeah it was it's not not lausd here's your here's your film school diploma (laughs) and so i don't think that that i think that it's sort of okay to like establish a scene although i wouldn't do something like panning over to a small fishing village. I would just kind of, like you were saying, use it. Pretentious. (laughs) Right. Use it to kind of set the scene or have that in mind as the narrative. And sometimes I know that I will sort of lapse back out into like a, oh, I kind of feel like the camera then pans over to you who shakes your head or face palms and then back to whoever was saying whatever. But I can see how that would be annoying and and bring it out of the character. And so I I think that me and my group try and use it sparingly. It never becomes like the de rigueur method of describing where we are, what the scene is. And also, I've never had it go to the point where it's like interior shot, Mm -hmm. daylight, (laughs) da-da-da-da-da. But just sort of like a big, hey. Although, uh, yeah, there's no reason not to just say, hey, you see the bay, and it's a small village, fishing village, and there's a very small house that catches your attention. And that gives all the same information without saying, 
without using the technical panning and zooming and and yeah. wide shot and all that stuff that that might be more technical. Yeah, and would like legitimately take you out of something. Like I tend to use it when I'm running Starscape and I, maybe I shouldn't, like this kind of is making me reflect on it because Starscape is inspired by TV shows. Like it's very much meant to be like the episodic kind of like Monster of the Week is meant to be like the TV show with right. like the, the, ep, the Monster of the Week. Thanks for his name. So I tend to do it more with that. But as I originally, it was like you were part of a TV show and I pulled away from that in the design. But still, sometimes it's in my head that way. So like there'll be moments we'll be like, OK, and we get the shot of them like looking over their shoulder at you as you walk away. And, oh, is there tension there? Like that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I think in some instances it makes sense. And in other instances, it's just annoying. I think there's a difference between cinematically describing something, which would be like what we're saying, like there's a beautiful fishing village on the coast. And that's just like explaining lots of detail. I think a lot of us use the term cinematically like epic and grand and well like detailed. I'm going to assume that what the problem is, is the use of the sort of the technical terminology yeah. to make you think like, oh, now I'm thinking about yeah. trucking this dolly over and and moving and stuff like that and crafty in the corner and and the helicopter that just put the talent down on the top of the Rocky Mountain Peak so they can look all cool as they walk across to half of New Zealand. Yeah. He ate Sean Bean, would not get in the helicopter. He climbed the mountain every day. Sorry, just facts there. Wasn't but yeah. that, was it Viggo Mortensen? I thought that was Viggo Mortensen, not no, Sean Bean. I think it was Sean Bean. Okay. I think it's Sean, I don't know, I don't remember. Okay. I'll look it up. Well, if, you One know, of them, one yeah. of the epic heroes in Lord of the Rings refused to ride the helicopter, and so he climbed the mountain in his costume every day for some of the high shots. It was wild. But yeah, I mean, that's a great example because suddenly then, instead of exploring Middle Earth yourself as a fellowship, you're thinking about the Lord of the Rings, the movies. Right. And you're like, even if they don't know enough detail to be like, well, like the dolly shot and blah, blah, blah. Like, cause you're, you know, a lot more than I do even. No. <laughs> but, and I was a grip. I had to learn all that stuff. There's a lot a, of stuff. A, yeah. yeah. I was not. I was like a film student for 10 minutes and I was, I really loved editing. That was the thing I loved the oh. most. And that was what I was going to go into. And then I was like, nah. I went to film school and it didn't occur to me I was going to have to make a movie until the professor said, okay, so your first movie is due in two weeks or whatever. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, fuck. Because <laughs> I hate all that stuff. I just want to play with the toys. Oh, see, I, I love all that stuff. But then they were like, okay, like, this is what it's like to work in the industry. And I was like, I have Renaissance Fair on the weekends. I have to do that every year. And they're like, that's not how the industry works. And I was like, oh, well, forget it. I don't know if that was a good decision, but in my teens, I thought it was a good decision. <laughs> mm. Confirmed. I was gotcha. correct. All right. Okay. Sean Bean. Yeah. I knew that there was some stuff with Viggo Mortensen who who did things like that, but I didn't realize he he was, a, was, he was also... a really great horseback rider, and he would he would take the horses out just for fun to like between like take days and stuff like that. So that was one of the things that he he would do. Also, the head trainer on that movie just loved one of the horses. I believe it was the big like gray, white Andalusian that Arwen rides when she's running away from the, the ring rates. Mm-hmm. And like horses like that are super expensive, like 40K, 50K, that well-trained. And so this like head wrangler loves this horse and just like that's way out of her pay, pay range. At the end of the movie, Vigo bought it for her Aww, and gave it to her, which is like the nice sweet. And he bought the brown horse that he rode in the movie and he kept it like its whole life. Right. And didn't he do that on his other horse movie too? Hidalgo? Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe. He's I, I the big he horse did. person. Like, right, yeah. Because uh, how could he be better? Like, right. He's just... <laughs> so anyway, this is our podcast of Horse Facts with Vigo Mortensen. 
which I <laughs> sudden pivot. Yeah, we thought you thought you were you getting thought RPG you were here advice. for RPGs, but now you're here for hot guys and horses. Oh yeah, <laughs> I should definitely start that book. <laughs> I feel like there's definitely a niche market. Yeah, I can speak can with authority on those. All right. So what I'm going to say is, I believe that the well, no, we're not a tribunal. Of, the tribunal has spoken yes. that you are. You are not guilty. Not the asshole. There is no penance required. You have brought a topic to our attention. And as long as you do not mean that you don't want to hear about the big sweeping descriptions and your main issue is that the technical terminology throws you out of the game, then we agree you are you are absolved. Yes, absolutely. Especially if you're like, it sounds like you're forgiving if it makes sense with the setting. Like if you're running a game on a in a, a film studio or something like that, then that makes perfect sense. Right. There's a totally low budget game that I bought. I think it was actually the very first RPG I ever bought with my own money. And this was back in the day before there was like self-publishing software. So it's really like, it's super janky. And I don't know how this person made it, but it was called, it came from the Late, Late, Late Show. And you <laughs> played you played an actor who was playing a character in a horror movie. Right. And so, like, your character might die, but the actor didn't, didn't, and the actor had to find new work and stuff. It was that's very cool. It was a very fun, weird meta game. I don't think yeah. it was a very good game, as I recall. That's but, a great idea for a game, it, but it was really fun mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. So, so I suppose in that sense, then it would probably be okay for them to talk about the yeah how the dolly's moving or the the mm-hmm. pan in and zoom. Yeah, the chat is now all just information about Beagle Morganson. Hey. hey. Save it for Hot Guys and Horses, a new Happy Jacks podcast coming soon <laughs> to, to the podcatcher of your choice. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Hey, we're going to need emails of content for that, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I think I'm just going to, like, just talk. Like, it'll just be stream of consciousness about Hot Guys and Horses. And then I'll probably drink wine, so it'll get, like, weirder as it goes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm in. You're in. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your patience and for writing in Yorn. And uh, no more Lord. No more Lord. I still I still burp sometimes and wonder if it's still in my system <laughs> years later. All right. I'm happy to take a turn at this if you want. I think okay. okay. We'll see. Mailbag two. Hello. Hello, happy jackers. Charger 347. Another damn Kurt from the Discord here. And since the call for emails went out, this is from the last call. This isn't like instant email. And the installment of the robot milkers on our farm is now not complete. Not complete. Okay, I think I'm assuming it's supposed supposed to be be, is now complete. Is now complete. Yes. All hail our new robot overlords. We salute you and all your mechanical efficiency. Please do not kill our weak organic bodies while we sleep. Hallelujah. Oh, I remember him talking about this on Discord, actually. Like Like he actually works on like a dairy farm. And so they had these new like robot milkers that they were like installing. And yeah, congratulations that it's all done. People talk about fun things on the Discord. I'm just going to tell you, like, it's very interesting. See, all the things see, I've learned. All the reason you should jump into our Discord. Yeah. Learn all about robot milkers. Yeah, robot milk. Okay, sorry about that. I figured I actually had time to put one quick email together. And what? I love that you say that. And it's like, really, I know it's like, really, two, like three it's pages. essentially two pages. Yeah, but one quick email together. And what better way to do that than bring up an already overly discussed topic, but with a Shamalamalan twist. Anywho, I thought over the discussion versus sandbox versus railroad games, and I finally condensed my thoughts enough to write in. Dun, dun, dun. Moo. And my perspective is, we should change the names for both of them. And at least, at least for this kind of discussion. Okay, that's, I don't know if that's helpful or not. Let's find out. Now, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. 
Pause for the Little Kenny chorus. I don't think that railroad is a bad term to describe the specific type of game, but I do think that it needs to be updated to a modern parlance. I lost my place. The subway game. The sub, I lost it completely. Oh, there we go. The subway game. Think about it. You go to the subway station at a prescribed time, pay for your ticket, and you get on a subway train and you ride until you either get to your destination or you get off because you need to get, need to in case either convenience or emergency. Granted, you may have to wait until the next train comes back on the track, but there's always one that you can get off. <laughs> I'm sorry, this you keep saying get off and it's funny to me. That you can get off of if you need to. Maybe go get some purchasing done. Maybe take a break to get away from the creepy weirdos staring you down for the last 10 minutes, even if you have to wait until you reach the next station to do so. So you may ask, would it be a better term for the worst type of railroad-ish game? Airport. You go to the airport. If you're lucky, someone else drops you off and you don't have to worry about your car. You rush to the terminal. You wait in line to check your ticket. You wait in line to show, stow your baggage. You wait in line to get to the, air, to the plane. Once you're in, you're there until the ride is done or until either of you or someone else makes enough and asks themselves to get the plane prematurely landed. Or you grab onto that emergency <laughs> hatch door and pop that sucker open and yeah. send the plane spiraling down into the flames. But yeah. this isn't a horror story. No, this so. is not a horror story. And all of this is good to help you. If, and all of this is good if the plane crashes because more than likely that plane will, would probably never fly again. And if you're super lucky you would walk away unscathed, even if it's running from the fire minus everything you carried on the plane with you. Now, the term sandbox games. Meh. I mean, okay, let's pause there for a second. Airport, airport game. So I think that the main difference here is that in a subway, or I would even argue a train, a railroad game, you mm -hmm. can kind of get off, stretch your legs, get back on board. Mm -hmm wait for the next train to arrive, in this case, a subway car. Mm -hmm. I think, like, I can sort of see where that, that, like, that makes a little bit of sense. Although yeah. I don't think there's enough of a difference between those two modes to worry about it. But I also tend to think about trains in a Western style where they were much more prevalent, prevalent yeah. as a commuter sort of thing, and they would sort of pass by on a regular time. But I guess subway sort of fits that modern narrative for that. Yeah, I feel like subway is... Like does kind of throw it off because I too, I like when you think train, you think like, I think at least long distance, you think, okay, you're on this train for the next couple hours, you're going to the same place. I feel like subway is a little bit of like a different thing. It's right. like Greyhound bus versus like city bus. Like, yes, they're both buses, but very different. Like, I would say like the term railroading or being on, on that sort of implies that you have to go from point A to point B, and you don't have a choice in between there, where a subway feels more like there are steps, and you could stop at any step that you want, mm -hmm. and it's still going to the same place, but you sort of have an opportunity each time you hit a town, or yeah. each time you hit a fork in the road, or whatever, to get it into a game term, that you could make a left turn and go somewhere else. Yeah. So we need something with, like, rails that you... What about, like, roller coastering? Okay. Because that, like, you don't get... Like, you're, I, like think, I think roller coastering is like a mini campaign because uh, well, it's short. it takes a long time to set it up, and then and then it and then it happens really quick, and everyone goes, "Oh, I guess we're done we're with done. that." Uh, okay, I mean, there's a lot of jokes about that <laughs> timing of that, but I feel like you okay, you get on, and then you're just stuck there. You've got the bar holding you in place. Right. You go over the bumps or around the loop de loops or whatever you do, however you feel about it, until you get to the end, and then you're done, and then you have to get out. I think that like <laughs> that would be the most railroady of railroad mm -hmm. type games that's 
that's the game where your friend should just write a novel because they won't let you do anything that's yeah. not on this specific set of yeah. track. And you literally have no control once you get into the car. I mean, at least in like a train, you can get up and walk around and maybe there's a stop somewhere and you can be out in the middle of Yuma, Arizona and right. die of dehydration or whatever <laughs> if, if you don't very... want to be on the train. You don't want to be on that train right. anymore. But I think that's the point, like looking for something that equivalent to what like railroady, like still like the idea of a railroad still implies some choice and freedom. So like that's sort of against what the how we use the term railroady. Right. And I think subway implies a little bit more yes. because you can get off and you know there's going to be another one coming by in, in 10 or 20 or 30 minutes, yeah. depending on where you are and what, the, what yeah. the line is. But so I'll be honest, I don't really like subway as a term for that style of game because it implies that you have a lot more freedom than you do mm. in, in the way that we mostly think about railroads. Yeah, I would agree. I think the whole idea of a railroad game is like you don't have a lot of choice and that your choices and whatever happens doesn't matter as much because you're going down the same direction anyway. Right. So, yeah, Subway definitely speaks to like more choice for me. I feel like a lot of the games I run are kind of Subway-ish. Yes. No, I'm not saying the Subway is no, no, no. bad. No, I I'm just don't think it's a good term for the this style of game railroad, yeah. on there. Because, like I said, I think that, honestly, a subway is a really good way to think about a game in that you're going to X place, but every time you stop, you kind of check in and people decide if they want to get off and walk or they want to grab a donut and then come back down into the station and get on the next train or whatever's going to happen there. I think that's what Charger's saying, though. Like, like railroad and like is linked with like these other rail systems that have choice. So it's like airport game. Like you get on that plane and you're going wherever that plane is going unless you go way off book right, right, and right. get kicked off <laughs> and like the air marshal comes after you. And then, then yeah, I feel I feel like airport or is- Or snakes. Snakes are on that plane. Snakes. I don't know. I think, I don't know. Living near LAX, like airport is just such an evil thing. I don't know if I- Railroady at least like isn't evil in and of itself. Airport feels so evil to me. <laughs> just like airport in general. Just like, but in some ways, no. I mean, like, so airport game- I'm not wild about that terminology, but I can see that. It, it's yeah. much more structured. Like, if all the engineers died on a train and you had to try, try to, like, figure out the train, I think you've got a lot better chance to do that than if all of the pilots died and you have to try and figure out how to land this, yeah. this kind of thing. So meaning that there's one person who is in charge and they're That's the one true. running the show. And you're just there with your tray tables up waiting. Yeah. Yeah, just just hoping there's not too much turbulence and yeah. that you haven't seen the in-flight movie 17 times already. And there's not a kid behind you kicking your seat the whole time. Oh my God. Yeah, I think I feel like it's just not catchy enough. Like, I feel like it captures the experience well. Yeah. But like, airplane game, I feel like is a little more catchy. Airport is just like... Ugh. I don't know, airplane game? Yeah, because you have to airplane get on. Airplane game makes me think of like a game I'm going to play with my buddy while we're on a That's plane true, somewhere. Yeah. Or like, like a, a flight simulator or something, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, how, hey, how's that airplane game, yeah. son? You winning? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so I, I think you are correct in your analogy of, like, there being problems with the term railroad. I'm not sure that, like, anyone ever really cared that it was, like, accurate. Like, it was more about, like, there are rails in front of you that you're not, you can't. I think the analogy is more about you being the train than the passengers on the train, honestly. Right. It's it, like. It's more about vibes than it is about yeah, the it's actual vibes. analogy. It's vibes. Come on. Like metaphor and, and and all these things. They're not exact sciences. <laughs> but I, I do see what you're saying. And I do agree. And I do think that subways definitely throw off the whole trains being a symbol of that thing. So, okay, Nets, moving on. 
I also like want to make a case for like roller coaster games because I feel like there's a lot of symbolism there. People vomiting at the end. It's just, <laughs> come on. It's accurate to that experience sometimes. Now to the term sandbox games. Meh. Doesn't really fit aesthetically the, in this vision that I'm painting. So what fits better? Take a page from John Hughes, Automobiles. Now, think As of it this way. planes and trains and... Uh, yeah, I got, yeah. yeah, I didn't oh, until okay. just now. Oh, got it. So I'm, I'm, dem- I'm demonstrating my, my cleverness. Good job! <laughs> think of it this way. Suppose Stu wishes to get in his car and drive over to Kimmy's house, which he can totally do because he's totally fine and healthy. He's, he's alive. He's fine. House to try and regain control of the Happy Jacks podcast empire. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's <laughs> theoretically what could happen. He can prepare everything he wants to before he gets into the car, and then he can go. Granted, he still has to follow some rules. Driving through the neighbor's yard is a good way to get the trip cut short real quick. But if Stu decides to turn off the shortest path to Kimmy's house and pick up Stork for a political support in regaining his throne, he would still be within reason to do so, so long as the end goal remains the same. Hell, even Stork gets in the car and then convinces Stu to drive to Vegas first before going to Kimmy's, so long as they make their way back towards Kimmy's house eventually, they're still technically on track. And even further still, before making it to Vegas, Stu is inspired to make a new actual play for his return to the channel by some random, weird, fantastical tourist roadside attraction. Both he and Stork then abandon the trip to Kimmy's house altogether to instead return back home. Then, while the objective or means to the objective might have changed, it was always the journey that mattered in the first place. The automotive game is the perfect structure for a good game. It's got established paths, access to less established shortcuts, suggested speeds, regular pit stops, and at the end of the day, and end of the day stopping points. And most importantly of all, none of these things are hard and fast rules that can't be bent without completely waylaying the trip. Yeah. Stop the car I need to get out is rarely ever an impossible situation that can't be navigated by someone who knows what they're doing. Even if you can't stop the car at the exact second when the situation arises. My daughter is so bad about that. She's like, stop. I want to, I'm done in the car. I'm done. I'm like, we're, it yeah. It doesn't work like that. No, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah, we are on the 405. There's no hope. Like, lose all hope now. <laughs> she's like, no. And then she's like, go away. I'm like, no, you're in a car seat. I'm in the driver's seat. There's no going away. There's none. You are stuck with me for the foreseeable future in this small space. It's very funny. Anyway, so yeah, that was a hilarious story. Okay, anyway. The only problem is the name automotive game kind of sucks. It's not terrible. I'd go with road trip game if it didn't exist and as a pre-established term already with its own predetermined expectations, but it's still not the catchiest phrase in the knife shed. Are there catchy I, things in the yeah, knife I know. Shed? I like that mix that mix analogy <laughs> yeah, myself quite a bit, actually. I like that charming. So I task you, happy jackers. Find me a better term, even if you don't use it yourself. Oh, okay. So I already started with that. Yeah. I'd still be a load off my mind to find a decent term for what I view as the best kind of game structure. Drink and game merry till next time, Jackers. Yes, I'm thinking of using a formula for the most of my future emails going forward with the structure of handing out a fun, weird TTRPG content that will probably never get a chance to use myself because being an adult sucks. And time is slipping by. Oh, oh. I know. Oh. Sunrise, sunset. sunset. Oh. Wow, that just like hit me. It hit me. Thank you, Charger. Okay. Like water flowing through my fingers as I desperately try to clench my hands and hold on to it for as long as my strength holds out. Whew. Okay. We'll be right back after a brief. <laughs> that hit, that hit, that hit hard. Anyway, 
I call it Pearson, Person, Place, Thing, and Whimsy, in which I give you an NPC, a setting location, a magical slash mundane item that could fit with either, and finally, just a weird thought that, that might have to do with any, all of it, or nothing at all. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in, I'd love feedback before I start drafting out the first email. Charger 347. Yeah, I mean, that'd be fun. I also think that that would be, like, it sounds like a lot of the cool journaling activities we've talked about before. Share it 100%. I'm not saying to, but like, there's a lot of like challenges where like daily dungeons and things like that where game designers or just people who are trying to be creative or GMs, whatever, write little snippets out, like a paragraph every day or come up with a little an NPC every day or something uh-huh. like that. This seems like a really easy, great formula to do that. So I'd love to see an example of that in action. Yeah. And if you want to send those in and have us read and talk about them and critique them, I mean, if, if you want to do that, it's your email. Yeah. The worst that happens is, well, the worst that happens is we completely eviscerate you and make you re-examine your entire life structure and why you listen to these jerks on the internet. But slightly less worse than that is that we just don't use it because it doesn't fit into the structure of the particular show that we're running. But yeah. I personally would be very interested in in hearing those sorts of things. Absolutely. So I'd say give it a shot. Yeah. So, okay. So renaming things. I already picked roller coaster game. I feel like that's like the new, like, ex- maybe like, really, really extreme example of a railroad game. Okay. So I feel like that, but... So I feel that, like, Sandbox connotes... I would say Sandbox is from the game masters, from the storytellers' perspective. Yeah. Because they can build whatever they want, which is what the Sandbox is all about, and the other people are playing, and if they find that they need a new area that doesn't exist, A, they can build this new area and everything's fine on there. I do like automotive game in terms of how you've described it, that it gives people the freedom. But to me, that's more of a player thing because yeah. the game master doesn't have the established rules about where to stop and what the yards are and and where freeways are that that you get as a player because someone's already doing that work in the background for you. They've already built the infrastructure. You just have to drive from home to home or to Vegas or to roadside attractions, whatever you're going to do there. Yeah, I think that's a really important distinction because, yeah, like a sandbox... Like their terms, I mean, that was a term that was stolen from the video game industry, basically. Like it was something that was used to describe games as they became more open world and sandboxy. So it kind of was got, it, or did they steal it from RPGs and then sort of use it in their own examples? I don't know. I've I've always I heard it with video games first, okay. but that may not be accurate. That could just be my experience. I, I feel like I've been calling them sandbox games. Mm-hmm long before video games would be any kind of open world no. on there. Okay, but, Who but knows? I could be wrong. It's very possible. Yeah. So we should look that up. But so I feel like I think that's really important because I think of them as a sandbox game as a GM. That as a player, it is a very different experience. You do get more of the automotive, like you were saying. But like you were saying, like, like infrastructure is already there. Like somebody has laid that road. Like the GM has already done that. The GM already like made the desert and the right. road to Vegas and put Vegas there and made, oh, this weird roadside attraction that you might stop at as and, you drove. And even if they're only making them up like a moment before you crest the hill to see them, <laughs> yeah. they've still created that thing before you got there. Yeah. So yeah, I love, I, I have never actually thought about it that way. Like they are very different experiences and sandbox might not seem correct or relevant to players. But as a GM, you're like, yes, because there's all of this stuff in this space that you can play with, even if they're only seeing a small bit of it at a time. I feel like that might be important. Like, I, 
automotive game. So one thing that was mentioned in here is road trip game and that that has other connotations. And I don't know, that doesn't have any connotations for me other than sort of, like I said, on the airplane is like, oh, we're all going to play D&D while we drive to Vegas. Oh, for me, I always think of it as like the, okay, let's look for, it's like the- Oh, slug bug? Yeah, slug bug. (laughs) And like, okay, can someone see something that starts with an A? Okay, or like the, like looking at the license plate states or stuff like that. Because like, you know, we used, to, we used yeah. to do that alphabet one, me and my sister, where you'd have to like find something for each letter of the alphabet. Yeah. And we would always like stall out until we were almost home because there's a street close by where we oh. live called Zelza. Yeah. So we were always like both of us just straining into the distance to see, <laughs> see the street side so, first. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. My dad's side of the family's from Oklahoma. So every couple of years, there's like a big Hughes family reunion in Oklahoma. And we would drive from California to Oklahoma. And it was always so long. It's like a long drive. Like for those of you who are not from the United States, like the United States is really massive. Like that's the equivalent of like driving through like most of Europe. Like it's so many miles and it's so many boring miles. It's all the same. Like once you get like there's a mountain and then it's like desert and then it's like flat desert for and plains for thousands of miles, like literally thousands of miles of nothing except the same exact look. And there's just a lot of it. And especially when you're like nine, it's just like the longest thing you've ever done. And it's, but so we played all those games, like a lot. And we had like the little tic-tac-toes and all this stuff. Cause it was like long before tablets and such things existed. So there was. Did, did you ever have the, the mystery ink books? Sometimes, except I get carsick. Oh, so I couldn't okay. read anything. I couldn't like do any of the little like game books and stuff like that. Gotcha. As an adult, I've gotten better about it, but I still like get movement sick like very easily. Not on boats though, unfortunately, like weirdly. But you know, I can't do any type of re- reading. So I was just like staring out the window and like these these games for hours and cow. hours. <laughs> we, we had things, every time we saw a cow, we had a saying because like it was like, uh, so stupid. Okay. So I have a family member who loves cows. So we'd be like, moo, hello, girls. Jenny says hi, because that's how bored we were. <laughs> so I have literally greeted hundreds of cows for this obscure relative, because that's how boring these drives were. It was a pretty epic, very epic. But anyway, that's what road trip games are. For those of you who don't spend days at a time in a car okay. going the same direction with the same scenery. Okay, so all right, so road trip game is is out of the running. Sorry, sorry, that was a lot of explanation. No, 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 I'm, I'm totally with it. Like I, I love it. Yeah. So, what would be better than automobile? Hmm. Cityscape, freeway. Oh yeah, for those uh, I just looked it up. It's about thirteen hundred miles between Southern California and Oklahoma City. So that's it. It's fun drive. Nineteen hours and thirty minutes if you drive straight, but we couldn't because we were kids. Right. <sighs> anyway. I'm fine. I'm over it. It's fine. I'm not traumatized by these boring times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I feel like... Yeah, on that theme, just the state of California, you can drive for eight hours and not be out of the state. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very, yeah. very large, very large places. And like people just don't understand, but also... <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Like, I feel like there's something on, like, I feel like there's something, like, I don't know. I've always thought about something about like exploring like a haunted house or something or like going through a house and like opening different doors in different rooms. Like the whole house exists already as you're exploring it. So maybe like exploration game, because like that kind of, at least to me, while it's not as specific or like 
like giving you specific pictures as like road trip or car or an automobile. Right. Like there's kind of the idea of you having something that exists already and you finding pieces of it. I don't know. Yeah, puzzle game doesn't work. Yeah. I don't. The one thing about exploration doesn't work for me just because that to me sounds like like if you're doing a hex crawl and the whole point is that you're finding these amazing, fantastical locations, Mm -hmm. not that you're, I suppose that's part of it. The journey is the adventure, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like Sandbox, the the thing that's great about Sandbox is it's a very clear picture that immediately gives the impression like what you're trying to convey. Like it's a set like area with like toys in it. You plop a little kid down and they do whatever they want. Right. And there is a framework, but the framework is all the way out here. Yeah. And you don't need to worry about that. Yeah. And everything goes great until they eat the dirt. And then you're just like, wait, no. (laughs) Oh, sorry. That's me again. What about a Thomas guide? Like a Thomas guide story. Good. I feel like it's dated, but like there's those of us. Sandbox is pretty dated too, to be honest. They don't. still play with sandboxes. Okay. I have one in my yard. You would know better than me. I mean, I think so. Okay. They're still in a lot of playgrounds and stuff. Now, it's something that a lot of adults that don't have children probably don't connect with a lot. So I feel like I probably connect with it a lot because literally, like, I was pulling sand out of my daughter's face today. <laughs> like, she really likes to eat it. I don't understand. It's very strange. Oh. I know, right? I've got, like, the... The, ew. The, the, yes. And even when you're, like, look at her and you're, like, put that in your mouth. We're going in the house. You can't play anymore. She just, like, slowly does the, like, cat thing. Or she's, like, <laughs> don't do it and just like oh just like this mouthful of sand and just what are you deprived of like a mineral do i need to get you vitamins what is happening sand it has what normally craves i mean luckily it's like the like sanitized play sand but i'm just like really and there's a box to the sandbox just so everybody knows so there's no cat stuff in it but yeah i don't know I, i think there's just such a Maybe how, about, so, how about roadmap? Roadmap game. A roadmap game. Okay. And that's that's a little less yeah. specific than Thomas Guide. I like that because it's like, okay, like there's stuff already on the roadmap, but they're still choosing their path. I really like that. Okay, that seems good. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah and I, I think it's different from a sandbox. Yeah. Because like you said, you've already got a bunch of paths. There's a bunch of stuff that's here and there. You can yeah. look things up and it can be all about the journey. Mm-hmm. We're 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 gonna say roadmap. Yeah, roadmap. That's our answer. Final answer. That's a good one. I'm still going to go with roller coaster game for the first one because as awful as that sounds, like I think it's funny. But I will admit, like I, I run subway games, especially at cons. Like, yeah, there's a medium between choices, and it's just it, it is actually I'm like obsessed with that now because it's such a perfect description of a con game. You get on the the, the subway, you go, and then oh, here's your choices of where you can go, and they're like, okay, we're gonna get off in this. Mind the gap. And then like, right. yeah. I'm oh, sorry, that's when you get on it. Right, right. Up. But you know, it's just like, okay, here's your menu of the places you can go. And then, okay, we'll get back on the train again. It's a really good description for a con game. And I don't hate it. Like, I don't yeah. think there's a problem with that. No, I don't either. Yeah. Now, a roller coaster game, there's a big problem with it. <laughs> it's a nightmare. And the thing about a con game, like a subway game, as it were, is that you've got, you might have that person who shows up and who's busking in your, <laughs> in your yeah. car for... Until you get to the next stop that yeah. you really wish they'd stop. Please stop. Please stop. <laughs> oh my God. Or like they the like the creepy person who's just sitting over there staring at you. Or they come and they sit right next to you, like there's an empty car and they sit in the seat next to you and you're just Well, that's why I'm manspread. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my God. The worst is when they come sit next to you and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna be polite and not move. I'm just gonna sit here. And then they manspread and you're like, could you go pick that empty bench over there to manspread and just not. Oh, really? Okay. I've never seen her done that. 
I oh, always no, try and be as small as possible. <laughs> and honestly, if you've never seen me in real life, I'm six foot six and I weigh about 400 pounds. So most of the things like this aren't built for me and I'm not manspreading. I'm just trying to fit into the into the designated seating area. No, no, there's a difference between people <laughs> who are simply taking the space that they need and the manspreaders. Like those people are like trying to touch you with their leg. Oh yeah. And no, they're just no, like, no. hello. And you're just like, I'm, oh, no, please, no. Sorry, that's my personal. I'll, this is just so many traumas I'm experiencing. <laughs> I'm sharing. <laughs> Like, oh my God, my childhood long drive traumas. And uh, there's also, there's you a bunch of sand trauma. Yeah, that's not my trauma. It's my frustration. <laughs> like, she knows she's not supposed to. It's just like her being like two. She's just like, and she knows. She just knows that's the thing. Testing everything. I love her. And it's good that I do love her because, wow. <sighs> it's a shame that shame you can't do that with the, no, don't you put that broccoli in your mouth. Don't. Yeah, she likes broccoli, which is good, but it's so, she's, yeah, she's a character though. She's amazing. I love her so much. And yeah, I don't get the sand thing though. Like even ask the doctor, I was like, so like, is there a mineral in sand that she wants? She's just like, no, I think I've said it on the, the podcast before, but like, okay. So at two, you put everything in your mouth. It's a really important, probably like survival thing that's developed like from way back in our history, evolutionary is okay. like, think about it. Like, if you picture a basketball, like your tongue knows exactly what a basketball would feel like. Yes. Like you haven't licked a basketball anytime recently. Not recently, no. No, but because <laughs> like as children, like we are like evolutionarily programmed to test things and try things and put things in our mouths because it's very clear texture. Like there's a lot of like stuff you can read on the internet about it. Which I do. No, I've heard it. It's just, yeah, it's just my... My urge to go home and lick a basketball now is growing. <laughs> Something that I did, a sentence I did not think I would say no. four hours ago. Right. But like, that's why it's like, it's part of like the evolutionary, like survival is like to test things and make sure they're okay. And putting things in our mouths is one of the best ways to do that. We touch things and then the next step is putting them in our mouth until we learn. That doesn't seem it. like that would be a survival skill because there's so many things that are not good to put in your mouth. Right. But I mean, like, like yes, we have figured out a way to make the, our sense of sight mm -hmm. inform what our sense of touch would feel. Yeah. Like you can look at something and have an idea of what it probably feels like or would feel like on your tongue. Same, same difference. But I don't know that that's necessarily a, I guess that's kind of a survival thing to learn how to do that, but I don't see how putting it onto your tongue is. Yeah. Well, I mean, since then we've learned not to do that and we teach her, stop it, stop, get that out of your mouth. So I read an article all about it and it was like, something about like tactile things or testing if things are good to eat or things like that. And when our baby brains are still developing, like that's part of what they do. They go back to that state of like, I don't want to compare the children to dogs, but that's fine. <laughs> smart dogs are about as smart as a two-year-old. So Look, anyone who's listening to this podcast yeah. is, is smart enough to not okay. consider themselves a kid like that yeah, anymore. Yeah. yeah. But so like, that's just part of it. And like dogs bite and chew things to like explore their environment and right. learn if things are safe and things that aren't safe and things like that. So part of like that whole age is jumping off things that they probably shouldn't, grabbing sharp things that they definitely shouldn't, all those things to like see if things are safe. And that's part of like putting things in their mouths. So if you had a child that never got to do any of those things, so you'd raise a child in a, in a white room uh -huh. on there. Does that mean they wouldn't be able to later in life be able to understand what things feel like based on looking at them? I don't know. That's a really good question. 
Like, I mean, if anyone wants to traumatize their child and participate in a dubious at best ethical experiment, please send us an email at. No, no, I don't want to know about it. No, I'm a mandated reporter. Please don't tell me. I will call the police on you. Hypothetical, hypothetical, hypothetical. I do not endorse any of this behavior. Yeah, no. ACAB, but like I still would have to do that. Sorry. But yeah, I don't know. But. At some point, we hit a, a logic point where we were able to like discuss like, hey, this is not a good idea because of this. But yeah, I a just lot sort of, of infer things based on what we've already learned that way. Yeah. Or I mean, and if a kid hadn't learned things that way, you'd have to wait till they got to the logic point of being able to explain it to them, which you, a lot of kids do. We learn a lot of things that way. Like kids don't try standing in front of like in cars very often. Sorry, that's awful. Not more than once. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I apologize. I'm, 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 oh, that was bad. I'm exiting ourselves on this. I apologize. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I've we gone we down were pretty the... far afield from what the actual question Way was. Afield. I spent all day with my kids. So I'm like super in that mindset. I'm sorry. I apologize. Also, I am renewing my credential right now. So I'm doing a bunch of like research uh, stuff. So gotcha. I'm like very in that brain. So I apologize for taking this way off. Way and, off course. and I only met Teslas. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. That's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> But it's funny. Um, Also, go look at basketball. Anyway, mailbag number three. Dear Kimmy and the Jackers, hello. It is Eric from New Jersey here again. Hello. I saw the call for emails, and I knew you were scraping the bottom of the barrel when you were reading mine in the past few episodes. (laughs) So here I am. I am helping. You are helping. You're a very good helper. Good job, Eric from New Jersey. You're such a good helper. I love it. Yeah. If you show up at a con, we'll give you a gold star. Give you some ice cream. Ice cream. Actually, ice cream is probably better to promise because I can't guarantee I'll have a gold star with no, me. I probably will. No. I think I'm wearing one. Oh, no, it fell off. I actually had one on me earlier. <laughs> I think it was actually red, though. Yeah. I rarely write horror stories because I am lucky to have tabletop players and LARPers who are awesome. So please bear with me as I struggle to write out exactly what happened. Heck, I'm still trying to figure out what went wrong. A group of us got together to play To Serve Her Wintry Hunger, which is a very narratively heavy game. If one of the hosts is familiar with it, please take a moment to explain it. Neither of us are, but I did look it up very briefly online, and it does look like a very interesting game, but I think we'll get into as much as I know about it in the next couple of sentences here. That's an amazing title, though. Yeah. Like, that's a really good title. I am incredibly invested in what this game is about just on the title. Yeah, that's step one. Yeah. If someone came to me and said, do you want to play to serve her wintry hunger? I'd be like, Yes. yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I, I don't care what it's about. I want to serve her wintry. Do I want to serve her wintry? What's the? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Wait, wait. You're me. not a fae, right? Yeah. If you're a fae, you have to tell me you there's to a trap. Me. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Okay. There is a mechanic, but it's very simple, meant to just move the game forward. The beauty of the game is in the interactions of the various spirits that serve our mistress, she of the wintry hunger designation. Apparently, everyone plays a spirit that is in service to the winter fae, I guess. Oh, okay. As you may guess, the game is something that survives on immersion and atmosphere. Thrives in that, in fact. I came in excited because our GM welcomed us into our house wearing very pale makeup and icy blue lipstick, really getting into her character of the queen. She explained the rules, then we all got to playing. Playtime is where things went off the rails. This is a narrative game of immersion. Well, cats and kids kept distracting the players. Sometimes this can't be helped, so I wasn't really worried about that. However, one of the players kept cracking jokes the entire time we played, which killed the mood. 
Due to the narrative nature of the game, one of our more mechanically inclined players admitted afterwards he checked out about halfway through the game. Mm -hmm. And I know for a fact that the final player in the game also did not enjoy herself, but that was because the game was so wide open narratively, she felt that she didn't have a direction on what to do. It made me sad. I don't think any of the other players had an idea of what they were getting into, and the GM was running it for the first time, so it was a learning curve for her as well. The GM and I discussed the game a few days later as she is running it for another group of four. I hope they have a better understanding of what the game is about. Anyway, that's my story. It's not a horror story like Karen and the Sexecutioner, oh. which I'll have to ask about, but apparently off the air. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about it, it's more of the Diet Coke of horror stories, since I did get to hang out with people I love, and that means a lot to me. I hope someone can learn from this and have a better time than I did. Always stay positive, stay diverse, and stay a little tipsy. Mugs held high, Huzzah! Eric from New Jersey. Huzzah. Yeah, that is kind of the Diet Coke of horror stories. It's very frustrating, especially when you are really invested in a game when other people don't have the same reaction. Right. And I, I've had that experience a couple times. It's it'd be like trying to play 10 candles in a well-lit room. Yeah, it's sort of like and you're into it and then some people aren't. And again, we sort of have like we're so just rich in our gaming community here. And we very carefully like pulled people in who match our kind of passion and styles and stuff like that, even if we describe things cinematically. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love you. It's okay. But and run subway games and run subway games. <laughs> but. It's hard to be angry at someone for not enjoying themselves, but it can be frustrating. You can feel that that resentment build up. There's people who really love certain types of games, and I don't. I've been invited into D&D games very regularly. Some of them end up great, and I really enjoy them. Some of them end up not great, and I end up coming with excuses to leave without hurting anyone's feelings. Or yeah, literally. just sort of fade out and ghost the game, and we kept <laughs> I told asking, No, yeah. that one was not that. <laughs> I actually really I'm, love that I'm game. Teasing. Okay. There's a Strahd game that Jameson was running during pandemic, which went great until I decided to take over the Happy Jacks Empire, and I was a little busy. So, but literally, like... It, I mean, Stu didn't kill himself. I mean... I mean um, <laughs> But yeah, no, no, that one was actually really fun because I got to play, like, it was very, like, role-play heavy, which is yes. how I like it. Yeah. That's how I like it. So that was a little bit different. But there's games that people just don't click with. I don't like World of Darkness. Yeah. I've played in several World of Darkness games. Even when they're entertaining, I just don't like, I don't like the system. I don't like the narrative. I don't like the world. So, so it doesn't matter how, how many times I'm invited to that. It just isn't a thing that clicks for me. And I try not to ruin it for other people. Yeah. But I also, because I know I'm not going to have a good time, just will try and say no if I can. Yeah. I, I applaud your gaming group for trying something new, for trying something that's a little more indie. That's fantastic. Do it again. Because you're going to find ones that, that work for people and ones that don't work for people. There's going to be people who love stuff like this. It sounded like the GM was super into it, putting on oh, yeah. makeup and all this stuff. That's super cool life does get in the way like kids and cats i have a question about like how cats were able to like regulate i mean cats are i don't know depends on the cats some that's cats true. are assholes that's true that's true you know <laughs> if they're hopping up on the table or if there's special accoutrements for this game and that's they're true. Mm -hmm. or even just yawn for food yeah so like that's that's like that's... i'm trying to be a dark majesty here yeah <laughs> in defense of your player group like they came and they tried a new game that is already far and away a lot more than a lot of groups out there will do. 
We get emails all the time from people like, hey, how do I get my D&D group to play other games? Because I really want to and none of them want to. So rather than thinking of this as a horror story, Eric, you should think of this as a, a triumph. Even if it was a somewhat failed attempt, even if it didn't go as well as you want it to, like, it's really awesome that you have a gaming group that is, and a group of friends that are willing to try these, like, smaller indie games. And even if a game with that cool of a title wasn't a good fit, like, there might be games out there that are a better fit that they will still enjoy, even, like, the the mechanics-inclined player and the stuff like that. So, yeah, don't, don't, don't feel bad about it. While I can understand your frustration, I've been there in places before. I've also been the cause of frustration before. I know that. Right. Like there have been games I've played that are with very mechanically inclined people and I'm not that. Spoilers. I'm sure you're all shocked. But you know, when I was the one who was kind of left out, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. But that, if you did this, you'd have that much more damage. Okay. I guess I'll do that. Cool. They weren't very nice about it. Like I'm not like, it sounds like they're like mansplaining, but they were not. So it's like everyone gets joy from different places. The fact that you have a group that is willing to try stuff and it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty special. It's so cool. It's so great. Even if you've got cats and kids like killing the mood like a little bit, like that happens. Like it's life. It sucks, but it's life. So be proud that they are willing to try new things and keep trying new things. Like it's like the flight of beers or flight of shots or whatever you want. It's like, oh, nope, that first one was terrible. I didn't like that at all. The next oh, one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is great. I like this one. Okay. Does everybody like number two? No. Okay. Let's try number three together. <laughs> all right, we all like number three. We'll buy a bottle of number three, please. Like whatever it is. So find what you all like together. So yeah, that's my that's my speech. Sorry, I gave a right. speech. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so the horror, not so horror story. Thank you, Eric from New Jersey. And yeah, tell your GM, especially like it is scary to run new games for and running a game for the first time. I Absolutely. I struggle with it and I get nervous about it. PBTA a little bit less because I run it so much but I also like I still screw it up sometimes but like every time I run a new system I get a little nervous even if it's not for stream so the fact that you have a GM who is willing to grab this new system and try it out and well, run especially it especially something that seems so far out of the wheelhouse of the group yeah absolutely and run it for two different groups right that's amazing so that GM definitely deserves like some kudos and whatever they like a diet coke if they like whatever they like the drink of their choice <laughs> They deserve that for trying new things and trying to get their players to try new things. I think the hobby would be better off if more people tried a bunch of weird stuff, even if they never liked it and never tried it again. Like, that's how we're going to see growth. That's how we're going to get things like breaking through to larger audiences. And I think that's really important. All right. I'm off my soapbox. I'm All right. done. Thank you. Anything to add? Nope. Okay. Here's my soapbox. You can hold it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Oh, aren't you a dove? Oh, <laughs> not a dove. Been called many things. Dove has never been one of them. All right. Are we set? Are we good? Yeah. Okay. We were spent. Thank you for joining us for season 31, episode 22 of the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. Please support our amazing indie designer of the month, Ashy Feet Games. You can go to ashyfeet.com for that. Big thank you to our chat mod, James V, and to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their order at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. Just to remind you, we are a not-for-profit network. So we all give our time for free, even including me. Like, I don't make any money off of this. All the money from our Patreons goes to improving the quality of the show, improving our facilities here so you get a better experience. Because we think it's really important that there is a, like, professional-level channel out there that is 
just friends still playing games. That is not, not that there's anything wrong. A lot of our players get paid to be other places, but we're all friends. Kimmy throws the money down the toilet, literally. Literally, yeah. <laughs> we just had a bathroom installed. Yeah, we, had a, we, had, we have a, an accessible bathroom now. So that's because my house is not wheelchair accessible because it's built like a century ago now. So, well, and also there's a very small child who lives in it. It's difficult it's to. Mess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and people just are very loud when they go to the, like, not the actual bathroom part, but like opening doors and stuff. It's very loud. And I love them, but but mostly it's the accessibility. That was the biggest thing. We really yeah. wanted to make sure our studio is accessible. And okay, sorry, that was a big tangent. And the other thing I'd like to ask you, please, if you like our show, please subscribe. Please leave a review or tell your friends about it because we are now trying to grow our show. And yeah, it'd be great if you would take a minute to do that. My name is Kimmy. I'm Nick. And we're going to leave you with a song today. The song is called True Survivor. And it is by Super Mad NES, Madness. And they do like electric rock covers. This is from Fantasy Battles, their CD. And yeah, we will see you next week. Thank you all. And goodbye. Bye.
This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sues performed our intro music, and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts. Thank you.